We are busy talking about fruit bearing and just the effect that the gospel has on our lives. And in our Bible study earlier this week on Wednesday, we spoke on a passage in John chapter 12. And I thought it good to just share that with you guys as well and maybe add one or two other things into the mix. God is a God that has come and had a plan from the beginning of time to have an earth full of people that has got His life in them and His quality of life in them and that He in that way would actually merge um, uh, uh, or actually create a family wherewith He can fellowship and share His life with. We find those basic principles even in our own lives. Uh, you know, we get a husband and wife and the first thing they want, you know, is uh, what, what the vision is, is that they would have children and a family. And why do we want family? We want to see our own picture, actually. We want to see ourselves. And we want to, in that, have fellowship and share life with and have the quality of life that we have duplicated into others. And so uh, we, we, we live our lives. That's the kind of being we are. And we find the reason we like that is because we live and move and have our being in God. There's no other reason. We live and move and have our being in God. And as we live and move and have our being in God, we see it in, um, in, our, in our own lives manifest. And what I would call the God logic manifesting in all of us. I just read that passage in Romans where the Bible says that, you know, everything that there is to be known of God has been written in nature. Uh, you know, and we see that the closest place we see that is even within ourselves. And one of the most um, powerful ways when we can experience who and what God is, is family relations. Now, we know that in this world it got, um, it got sick and it got broken and all those kind of things. But yet, in the hearts of every person is something written like, um, called a happy, uh, good family. And, and we want that. And uh, when God made the earth, He made the earth with the purpose of having people that can have His quality of life, never die, live on the earth. This command was actually given to Adam. He said to Adam, Adam, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion over the fish of the sea and all those kind of things. What does that mean? Uh, God said to Adam, Adam, I want exactly what you are. I want that to multiply and fill the whole earth. So God's plan was that man would inherit the whole earth and fill the earth with... Um, with, with a being that is like God and that he can come in the cool of the day and share life with them. What God was thinking was, and this is how I see it, is that God sat in heaven and he said, how can I duplicate myself? How, how can I bring myself forth in a way that I can have good fellowship with that, uh, that person and that that person can experience my life and my quality of life. What I have is so good, I need to share it with someone or something. Then he came and brought forth the earth, and from the dust of the earth he created a man. And this man, he gave a mind, will, and emotions, like I've preached many times, a way to, uh, 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 he can think, reason, and feel, and all of that. And uh, what he then wanted to do is, as he indwells that man through all these senses, the five senses, the spiritual feelings, all those kind of things, this person can then experience the life of God. And so, through all of that, enjoy God's life 
and be one big happy family. In doing that, God would actually merge the spiritual with the physical and so have uh, something that has come forth, which is what we would call a spiritual physical or a glorified physical. That's what would take place. That was God's plan from the beginning. But we know that the first Adam failed. The first Adam failed. He didn't get it right. He, he partook of a system that couldn't bring forth God's plan in the earth. Now, to who, when God said to Adam, Adam, be fruitful and multiply, whose responsibility is it to, to multiply? It was Adam's. Adam's responsibility was to multiply. And the Bible says God blessed Adam and told him, this is what you can bring forth in the earth. And we have taken being fruitful and multiply just into having kids and those kind of things. But it is much deeper than that. Um, the first Adam passed away and then we found the last Adam came to the earth. And the command was exactly the same. We see the command from Adam that he must fill the earth, multiply and have dominion over the earth. In other words, uh, the, the power that he has of life, that it will fill the whole earth, that he will inherit the whole earth. The whole earth will be his through his life. How? By this multiplication and having nations upon nations of people flooding the earth uh, with sharing in the goodness of, and the quality of God's life. When Adam messed everything up, it all got messed up. But then that Adam, that first Adam, was, was basically resurrected, raised up in Christ, and Christ came, and the command was still to him to be fruitful and multiply. So um, it is God, what God told Jesus, and this is how I see it, um, in the whole thing of him being the last Adam, was to be fruitful and multiply. And we can see how Jesus takes that commandment in the passage we're going to read here and, um, and, share, uh, and, and, and um, share it in the form of a parable. Now, um, before I get into that, we need to realize that God has come in Christ to undo everything that was done in Adam. He came to undo sin, he came to undo all the effects of sin, he came to un undo death, he came to undo everything and have the promise that was or the will that he had with Adam to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth, which he promised to Abraham. He, says, uh, he, he said, in you all the nations shall be blessed. And this promise was to Abraham and his seed, not as unto many, but uh, as unto one which is Christ, which means in you all the nations shall be blessed. And that that blessing, what is the blessedness that will come through Christ? It is, um, the Bible says through Jesus came grace and truth. The Bible says through the gospel, through Christ, and what he's done, through the resurrection, um, life, uh, life and immortality came to light through the gospel. So what's this blessing that the whole earth will be blessed with? It's life. It is the life of God. So what we've done in, uh, in, in a law-based approach on, of the gospel is we've come to a place where we wanted to take the, our human ability to bring forth that which God commanded Jesus to bring forth. I believe the law and the prophets was written to Jesus so that we could see or so that he could see how to bring forth salvation unto man. 
and the command to be fruitful and multiply was unto Christ, so that He, by His doing, will bring multiplication into the earth of the very life that God has promised Him. And so will all people be blessed with what? With the very life of God. So the plan which was from the beginning was it surfaced again in Abraham where we can see the promise. Jesus Christ came and fulfilled all of that and now we are at the place where the Spirit is bringing forth that life in the earth. We're still in the process, but we're going to see the plan that God had from the beginning manifest in this earth. Now, um, the biggest thing that came into the earth is death. If we can have, and when we talk about fruit bearing, one of the greatest ways where we can bear fruit is when we lose our fear. When Jesus went and um, raised the dead, it was a very big thing. If you read, um, if you read uh, other documents of history, you know, about uh, you know, what happened in Jesus' time. When he was raising the dead, there was a very big thing with Caesar and with some of the leaders of that time. Because all of a sudden, you know, people are going to lose their power. Because the power that there is in fear is you're going to die. So what people will threaten others with is, you're going to die. I, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. I'm going to kill your wife. I'm going to kill your child. And if a guy comes onto the scene that raises the dead, all of a sudden your kingdom is going to fall. Because you don't have the power to manipulate and control anymore. And that's one of the things that I see that's going to come to the church as we have the revelation of, of what Christ has actually come, come to do. We're going to see the fear if we can know that the fear of death, that which, you know, you know, we should not have the disease, because what's going to happen if you have the disease? You're going to die. Well, my God has conquered death. Um, the, moment, the moment we can believe, and this is like a phenomena, the moment we can have hope that we can be raised from the dead, the power of control and manipulation and fear is gone in the here and now. And because that power is gone in the here and now, we are starting to experience the very life of God in the here and now. I hope you can, can, can hear what I'm saying. It's like, um, it's, it's not a perfect example, but it's like somebody on death row. If you sit on death row, and the, I think I watched The Green Mile, I, I, I don't know what movie it was. There was a movie <laughs> where people were sitting on death row, and the guy comes and says, if you're not quiet in there, I'm going to kill you. Well, you can't threaten the guy with that. He's already knowing he's going to die tomorrow. You know, it's like, um, in, the very, in a kind of a similar way, we can see it with eternal life. If you can come and say, listen man, you know, if the devil will come, you're going to lose everything. The, the end of it all is death. That's where it all's going to end. If that was even conquered, all these threats has lost its power. Because our God has conquered death. That is what it's all about. And in Him conquering death, He can now bring forth fruit in the earth that looks like Him. I just feel in the Spirit just to, to, to re-explain that part a little bit. Um, if my, my son is in hospital at the moment, uh, he would even this webcast now is not a live webcast, it was recorded on Saturday, 
so that I can go and because we've got certain visiting hours that we I don't know how it works in other countries, but you can't just go in there any time. We between four, I think it's four and five, and seven and eight every day. We can um, we, you can see your family in the hospital. Now um, and that's in the same time as webcast is is going. So this is pre-recorded now. With him being there, you know, there are so many things that goes through your mind. He had an operation which was, which was a very, very painful operation. And, uh, I mean, I've prayed for him and everything. Now, w when we look at that, we, we, we see the, w when he was going in, into that, he didn't have a voice to me. Because I know that even if my son would die, he would be raised up and he has conquered death in Christ. His death was conquered and that is the promise. So I couldn't live with a thing anymore where it would say, you know, what if he doesn't get healed? Because if you've taken all the what ifs unto the end, you're going to end with what if he dies? And there has already been a victorious or a victory in Christ. Now, what we find is, when the mind and when the heart is programmed into this belief, just by the dynamics of how the subconscious mind works and the mind works, it, it filters through to every thought that can even lead unto that. So now if you come, what if he has, like somebody on Facebook wrote me and says, you know, um, is it not possible that he might be, have a certain disease or a certain syndrome? which is not a very good syndrome to have. You know, those people are very skinned, they, some of them all twist up and everything. Um, you know, so I, I, I got confronted with that, and I looked at it, and when I looked at it, I didn't go into the word of faith, well, he shall not have it, or anything like that. What happened was, when I was confronted with that, what happened in my heart was very simple. It was, um, I can look at this without fear. Because even if this would be so, and even if this would be incurable, what does it mean if it is so? What does it mean if it's incurable? It means that my son might die earlier in his life. So if that takes place, what then? Well, the what then, the what if there has already been answered by the resurrected Christ and that is why what our whole gospel is all about. So because of this teaching that has been flooding my heart, which is called the Spirit of God, this gospel, as it flooded my heart and my heart got established and is being established more and more in the immortality, the conquering of death, I find that I don't have fear. I don't have fear. Um, you know... Everything ends, every question, every sorrow, every heartache thing, if you find it, it just, what if, what if, what if, and the end is going to be, what if you die? Well, the answer is already there. So in the very same way, if the, if the what if ends in death, and death is answered, it's almost like, like a river. If you put, if you put a, 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 a certain, if, if you can have a lot of blue dye and you put it into the origin of a river, you're going to find all the streams have a blue color. In the very same way, if you can go to the, to the end of it all, which is death, and you can find conquering there, and your gospel can be about that, you will find as effortless 
as to what it would be for a blue dye to dye water blue. That's how effortless it is to have fruit in the here and now in everything that pertains unto what if which ends into death. Now, um, so we can, and, and you know what, in, I'm not saying we cannot have healing, I'm not saying any of those things. I'm trying to explain how God is bringing forth fruit in the earth. That's what I'm trying to, to explain. So we're going to read from uh, John chapter 12. And, um, and we know that since Christ has conquered death, manipulation, control, and fear, and all those kind of things, loses its power in the here and now. If I just look at ministry, for instance, because, you know, if, let's say I lose support. And, and let me say this to preachers, because it's a very big thing with preachers. What if I lose my support? And, you, you know, if you're a businessman, or if you're a guy that works for a salary, and say, yeah, you know, these preachers just worry about their support. Man, you also worry about your support. You worry, what if I lose my business? What if I lose my job? You're always worried about the economy and how the country must be steered and how all those kind of things and the politics and everything. Why? Because you want to keep your job. That is what it is. So the very same thing with preachers. You know, what if people don't support me? I can't say this, I can't say that. Now that what if ends in, what if I don't have money? What if I cannot provide for my kids? What if I'm out in the street? And then at the end of the day, what if I die? In, what I have experienced from this teaching is that you lose the... As you, as you realize the love of the Father and what He brought forth in the resurrection, um, the power of being afraid to be manipulated or being afraid or, to be, or, or the, the power that causes a person to be manipulated or to have fear or all those kind of things in the area of your finances and ministry, is just gone. You don't even know if you are not worried or if you're just reckless. It is just something that's not there. It has been conquered. That is what takes place. Because the what if until the deepest end was answered by the resurrection. Um, now I want to just take that thought and let us go into um, John 12. And we're going to read here from verse 21. It says, And some came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip came and talked to Andrew, and again, um, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to them, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. So he was talking, when he was talking about the Son of Man, he was talking about himself, but it's also in that Son of Man, uh, referring to mankind. He says, The time has come for that glorification. Verse 24, Very, very, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it um, unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him the Father will honor. Now, um, also want to read verse 31 there. It says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out and if I be lifted up from the earth I will draw all unto me now what Jesus was trying to explain here was how he is going to bear fruit in the earth we've made fruit bearing our responsibility 
for you to be free from fear, for you to be free from manipulation and control to have peace in this life, God rates that as here's something that he as God needs to bring forth in the earth. So what was taking place is God saw Jesus, the lost Adam, and he said to him, Jesus, I want you to be fruitful. I bless you with fruitfulness. I bless you with the ability to reproduce yourself. Uh, or let me put it this way. I bless you with the ability to multiply this eternal life into others. That's what I, and I want you to fill this whole earth. There are people out there that are dying, living in fear and all those kind of things. And what I want you to do is bring peace into their heart. Bring joy into their heart. Bring kindness into their heart. There are people out there that live in bitterness, don't understand, turmoil in their minds. Bring peace to them. And what, you can, what I also want you to bring to them is immortal life in a human body. I want you to bring that forth in them. That's what he said to Jesus. And then Jesus, you know, when he saw people coming to him and um, they wanted to talk to him and that they were Greeks, meaning that these were not just Jews seeking after the Messiah, but now we find the Greeks are now also coming. They want to talk to Jesus. And now they first speak to Philip, and then they speak to, and then Philip speaks to that one. And it's like, what do you think? Shall we tell Jesus that he must, that the Gentiles want to talk to him? Oh my goodness, well, this is a big thing. You know, so at, at the end of the day, when Jesus heard this, that the Gentiles are now coming, what does he say? He says, the, the time has come. And this is what he says, the hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. I see this desire in all these people to come to me. And, and, and so the time has come that this Son of Man must be glorified. It's not a good thing that we live in the dishonor of Jew and Gentile and close and near and far and sinner and not sinner. And let us get this division thing out of the way. Let us glorify man. And how will man be glorified? In the multiplication of who Christ is into people's lives. That's what he says here. He says, very, very, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Now, what we have taught there was, we must lay down our lives, especially according to the next verse, which says, he that loves his life shall lose it, and yet hates his life in this world shall keep it, into uh, it unto life eternal. We've always said, you know, you should not life, love your life and, and you must die and you must be willing to die and all that if you want to save your life. But Jesus is not talking about you there. He's talking about himself. He's talking about how the glorification should come. It even ends there in verse 31 where it talks about him being put upon the cross and how he will draw all men unto him. It talks about a seed that has to die, and if it dies, the life that it has shall be multiplied, and so shall life be eternal. The problem that Abraham had was that his life would not be eternal, because he doesn't have a son. So in the very same way, the, uh, um, God, the multiplication of life is seen as eternal life as well, in this, in this sense. So what he's coming to do is, he's come and he said, if I, if I, Jesus, hate my life in this world, but I want the life which is he from heaven, and I'm willing to lay down my life, and I can die, then through that whole system, which we've preached in this church many times, he will be able to be raised from the dead, and so 
do it with your sin and with your death. And in that resurrection, he can then bring forth um, much seed. Let's, let's look at this, or much fruit. It says, Very well, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat, fall into the ground and die. That talks about Jesus. Then he will be alone. But if he dies, it brings forth much fruit. So what is Jesus says? If I can die, I will bring forth much fruit. Who will be the fruit bearer? Who will be the one that bears the fruit? Jesus. The command is not upon you that you must go and bear fruit. The command is upon Jesus that he must bear much fruit in the earth. You know, but we can say, you know, there are scriptures in the Bible that says that this is the will of my Father, that you bear much fruit. Um, you know, yes, it is true. It is true that there will be much fruit in your life. But the way it, it, it should be read is in the context of what Christ has come and brought forth in the earth. He has come and he has brought forth something in the earth, which is, I will multiply myself and bring life into people and it is my will that these people will have a lot of fruit. What fruit? The fruit that he brings forth by his doing. That's why the Bible says, when it talks about much fruit, it says, abide in me and I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit. He says there that the way in John 15, let us just read John 15 there quickly. It says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit is taken away, and every branch that bears fruit he purges, that it brings forth more fruit. Now are you clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me when my teaching, and I will abide in you. And the as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So when it talks about fruit bearing, it talks about something that is the end goal that God has with us, but it's not something we can do. It, the only way it can take place is if we abide in that which produces the life. And what is that? That is the teaching that Christ has died, and when He died, He conquered your sin, He conquered your death, and He was raised up as an immortal man above sin, above death. When this teaching or this spirit of, um, guys, I cannot put enough emphasis on this, on listening to last week's message at least four or five times. Please do that on what it means to walk in the spirit. You know, we're going to continue to talk about stuff, and without that in your foundation, you're going to struggle to understand these things. You need to understand what the spirit is. But anyway, with this spirit indwelling us, we find the spirit as it indwells us, as we believe this resurrection and the hope of the resurrection, we find that the spirit of God, as Jesus was raised up, raises us up into a life where we are having the fruit of God in us, not by our own doing, not by our willpower, not by our dedicated prayer life, not by our dedicated study of the scriptures, but by His doing. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide in this gospel. Abide in what I've done for you. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? It doesn't mean you abide in Jesus when you go to church. When you abide in Jesus is when you continue to believe in what Jesus stands for. 
and what he's accomplished. He talks about the glorification of man in John 8. He says the man must be glorified. If I die and I don't love my life in this world, if I don't love the law system, if I don't love work system, but I love a life which is unified with the Father, and I'm willing to die to be raised by my Father and have that life, then my life will be eternally preserved and I, as the Son of God, will never die and I will live eternally. I will not be like the first Adam who lived and died. I will be the, the, the Adam that lives forever. And in, in doing that, I, I am, if, and if I can include all people who are dying, life into my life, then I can find, I can be fruitful and I can multiply. So this is what Jesus says. He says, the union there is between a husband and a wife. In that union, if you stay in that union, then if a husband and wife, if they come together and they want, then they can bear fruit. The husband, the wife can bear fruit for the husband or he can bear fruit in her. That's how it will take place. In the very same way with Christ. He says, just see your union with me and I will bring forth fruit in the earth. What that means is, in that Jesus can fulfill what God always wanted in the earth. You cannot bring forth fruit in the earth. You are the place where the fruit Jesus brings forth manifests. That's what it is. And through this belief of the resurrection and seeing that as the end goal and the fruit that God wants to bring forth. The Bible talks about the fruit unto eternal life. It talks about that. And when you see that and you see that as your life and you, and you walk in your union with that and you can say death has even been conquered and I, my body, will live and never die. And even if I die, I will live and never die. I'm not talking about heaven. I'll be raised up. That means every physical thing on this earth that can threaten your life has just there lost its power for its end has been conquered. That is what this is all about. So Jesus comes and he says, um, he goes on and then in verse 26 it talks about we serving him. So he first says, if I love my life in this world, I'm going to lose my life. But... If I hate my life in this world and lay down my life, I will preserve my life eternally. And if I can do this, then there will be much fruit that will come forth of this. And that fruit, that seed will look exactly like the first one. We're talking about a multiplication of the Son of God in the earth in our lives. Glory to God. And that is what God is busy with. As we believe this, we don't have to strategize. 20, I don't say we can't have strategies and practical things in this world uh, as pertaining to church or those kind of things. But as we have this, we will find an effortless, powerful system going forth in the earth. You know, um, let me give you another example on how this works. With... This week wasn't a very good week in my life. Now, with everything that happened in this week and how busy I was and everything I had to do, um, you know, I couldn't get to do the normal ministry work that I do. And normally, it didn't happen now, but normally what would take place is 
you know, what if you don't preach here? What if you don't make a, put something on Facebook? What if you don't minister to that person? What if you don't have a, a, a pastor's meeting? What if you, what if, what if? And the end will be, your ministry is going to die. Well, death has been conquered. Glory to God. I can actually have peace in this situation that I'm in. And when I'm in that, I find that you look at these things, but it's almost as if you live in another world. God is bringing forth something supernatural in your life. And in the midst of it all, I've got peace and joy. I don't sit with sorrow. I don't sit with heartache at the moment. You know, I sit with a joy inside my heart, a love for my son, a love for my children. You know, I, it, it is what is in my heart, and I'm walking that out now. And the stress of ministry is not there. Because no voice can come to me, whatever dies. Because my subconscious has already accepted the answer. So whenever that wants to come, since my heart is flooded with the answer, even in the worst case scenario, whenever the enemy wants to bring something to my mind, it can never enter my heart or produce emotions from it. It cannot. Why? Very simple. Because my heart wouldn't allow that. Why? Because my heart has believed the answer. So it will not allow unnecessary information. That is how the human has been put together. It's a bit of psychology there, but that is how it works. That's how the subconscious with the cognitive and all those things work. So, I want to encourage you, even if you don't understand everything I say, and you can say, Beth, you're preaching a very complicated message, I don't understand all these things. Listen, don't stare yourself blind against something that seems to be complicated. When Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, what he spoke to Nicodemus was the absolute truth, and it sounded very complicated. Yet, I'm sure that a few years after that, when Nicodemus would look at what Jesus said, he would say, this is common sense. This is such an easy thing. That's what Jesus even said. If you don't even understand this, how will you understand that? It's like, this is such a simple thing. In the very same way, this can be complicated, but as you sound complicated, but it's very simple, just go to God and say, God, Explain this to me. I want to understand this phenomena, this, this power of eternal life and the phenomena of that believed and the fruit it produces in our lives today. And He will bring it forth in you. Glory to God. Well, church, that is what I've got on my heart for you for today. And I trust you're going to be deeply blessed by this message. Please listen to this again and again. It will bless you richly. God is a good God. He's a kind God. He's a caring God. And he wants to flood your life with his goodness. And he is the one that brings in this life. Glory to God. Thank you so much for watching. God bless.